This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be reading Galatians 5, verse 25 to the end of the book. Uh, give us a moment to grab our Bibles, or you can follow the passage on the screen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then, they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man who reaps what he sows, whoever sows to please their, their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Yet, they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Pastor Andrew will now teach us God's word. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Dear fathers, we come before you today. We truly want to thank you for indeed your word is powerful and active and living. And we just pray that you help us through the Holy Spirit to understand Galatians chapter 6 today. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, many years ago, uh, I had a pastor friend of mine who uh, was uh, quite troubled, and we, we spoke for a little while. And he was telling me about how in his church, he was having problems with, uh, with this group of uh, older men. He called them uh, grumpy old men. And uh, I think, I'm not being ages here, 
because uh, I'm kind of old myself and I'm not against men because I'm a man. But, uh, you know, you can sort of see them, right? Like if you go to coffee shop sometimes, uh, you go to the MRT, you see these uh, grumpy old men. Anyway, so they even make movies about uh, grumpy old men. And um, this pastor friend of mine was telling me about how in the church there had been a, a group of these Christian men who were getting older. But as they got older, they stopped exercising any form of self-control and they're just doing and saying whatever they liked. And in doing so, they were not being considerate and caring to other people. They seemed to be only considerate and caring about themselves. And they were being really disruptive and rude to other people in church and destroying this church. Now, the sad reality is actually we can become like that too. Right? We can be tempted to not give a care about other people. We can, as we get older in our Christian life, choose to uh, just become careless and loveless. Uh, indeed, there's a grumpy old man inside each and every one of us, right? If we ever feel tempted to act this way, or perhaps you're even acting this way already, then the Bible speaks to us in Galatians chapter 6. So over the last few weeks, we've been looking at uh, salvation. So chapter 1 to 4 really is about salvation, and Paul keeps hammering home, right, that salvation is through faith. Through faith in the right things. Through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is centered on the crucifixion and the cross of Christ, and that while having faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the cross, we become redeemed or rescued or released from under the curse of sin and law. We become sons of God. We become children of the inheritance. And so Paul said this because the Galatian Christians were very tempted to add all these other things to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the cross. They wanted to add things like circumcision and food laws and Judaistic practices and and Paul said, look, these are of no value, right? These are works of the law, and they do not save. Now, chapter 1 to 4 focuses on trust and belief in the content of belief, right? It's about, in a sense, mind and intellect and, uh, you know, content. So he makes a big point about what you believe in. Faith in what? Faith in the cross and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But in chapter 5 and 6, he moves on to what does it mean to live out faith? What does it mean now that I believe in the way that I act towards other people and the way that I do things? And so because of that, in chapter 5, he introduces us to two very major, major concepts. The first concept is faith expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself in service. And so chapter 5, verse 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. In chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so the first thing we learn is faith being lived out must be faith expressing itself in love and in service to other people. The other idea that he also developed was living out your faith is to be walking in the pattern set by the Spirit. So in chapter 5, verse 16, so I say live or walk, right? Walk in the pattern by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature In chapter 5, verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. 
And so in chapter 5, we see these two major ideas. Faith lived out must be faith expressed through love and service to one another. Faith lived out must be walking by the Spirit. And then now we turn to chapter 5, verse 25 onwards. And these, these, these themes are expanded, elaborated, and exhorted. Okay, so let's look now at chapter 5, verse 25. It says here, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Now, the first thing is, I want to look at this word live. Okay, so you look up here on the screen. This word live is not pattern. It's not live like a Singaporean, live like an American, live like an Australian, right? It's not live as a pattern of life. This word here, live, is literally the word uh, life or alive or new life. So the word live here is the same word that Jesus uses when he says, I'm the bread of life. Or when Jesus says, I'm the living bread. And so what Paul is saying is, since we are alive by the Spirit, since we have life by the Spirit, since we are living by the Spirit, since we have, we have eternal life and salvation life by the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, so the first thing we see here diagrammatically is, since we have new life by the Spirit, since we have new life by the Spirit, then what should we do? We should keep in step with the Spirit. Now this idea of keeping in step with the Spirit is the same family of words that we learned earlier on in walking by the Spirit or being led by the Spirit. It's the idea where you follow the pattern set by the Spirit. So many years ago, I was in a boys' school, all boys' school, and my old boys' school somehow thought that it's a good idea uh, to introduce us, okay, don't worry about this, to introduce us to ballroom dancing. Okay, so we were invited, if you wanted to do so, to sign up for ballroom dancing. And you know, I sign up for everything. Lah. Okay, anything that comes under the sun, I try, right? So I thought, okay, why not? Ballroom dancing. How hard can ballroom dancing be, right? But actually, ballroom dancing is really, really difficult, you know? Like, you really have to concentrate. You know, the moment you start going to ballroom dancing, you realize that it, it really requires a lot of attention. You, you can't even drift off for a second. You need to keep in step at every moment. So, you've got to keep in step with the dance pattern, right? So, you're supposed to dance the waltz. You can't go and dance a tango, right? It's like, there's a, there's a pattern that you have to follow. Right? This is the dance pattern you're dancing now. You must follow these specific steps. If you want to dance with your partner, if your partner is going forwards, you cannot go sideways, right? So you, you need to keep in step not just to the pattern of the dance, you need to keep in step the pattern of the partner. And not only do you have to do these two very complicated things at the same time, you also need to keep in step with the music. Because you know, the music is fast, you've got to dance fast. If the music is slow, you also got to dance slow, right? You can't like do anything you want to do. And this is the idea of the word that we see here, to keep in step with the Spirit. It means that you really, really have to be guided, following, patterning yourself upon the Spirit's leading. Now, unfortunately, they didn't seem to be... Oh, okay, so we've already seen this in terms of the idea where living out your faith is faith expressed through love and service and walking by the Spirit. So in the same way, keep in step with the Spirit, right? Now... Problems seem to be 
that for the Galatian Christians, they were not keeping in step with the Spirit in their community, relational, church fellowship. And that's why in verse 26 it says, since we, we live by the Spirit, we are alive by the Spirit, new life by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now these words here, conceited, the idea of being proud and arrogant, right? Okay? The idea of being proud and arrogant. Okay? Where are my pictures? Okay. Okay. Proud and arrogant. And the idea of provoking each other is like challenging, irritating, and aggravating each other. And being envious is being jealous and bitter and having ill will against each other. Now what we see here is not a new idea, right? It's not like Paul suddenly just mentioned this. But this is something which he's already hinted at as we've been going through the book of Galatians. So in chapter 5, verse 15, in chapter 5, verse 20, in chapter 5, verse 26, he keeps hinting that their church, relational, community life is messed up. And so, it says here, verse 515, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. And so, it makes sense, right? Because when you're arrogant and proud and conceited, you look down on other people. Okay, you want to keep them down. If you're envying and provoking, you, you look up at people and you want to tear them down. But in both those ways, you're acting against each other, right? You're like animals, biting and devouring each other. You're destroying each other. And you're also exhibiting the acts of the sinful nature, the flesh, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Now, this is a wake-up call for us as Christians, right? Because many times for us as Christians, we think the litmus test to being a Christian is sexual sin. You know, oh, okay, as long as I don't commit a sexual sin, I'm okay, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian, right? But actually what the Bible is saying here is no. In terms of the gravity of your sin, community sin, relational sins, Fellowship sins are just as grievous and serious as sexual sins. And this seems to be the problem in the Galatian church. And this seems to be the problem of my friend's church, right, with the angry, grumpy old men. Because what was happening was these grumpy old men, they were not essentially according to what the Bible's definition is, keeping in step with the Spirit. They were not living out their faith, right? They were, in a sense, doing their own thing. You know, it's a bit like, you know, you do your ballroom dancing, and then instead of dancing the waltz, you go and do break dancing or something, right? And instead of dancing, you know, fast, you decide to da dance disco or something. It's like, that's what they were doing. Right? They were not keeping in step with the Spirit. And that's a warning for us, right? So whether we're in a youth group, or in our Bible studies, or church, we don't come to be proud and arrogant, conceited, and, and envious and provoking and trying to destroy one another, but rather we have to keep in step with one another. And by keeping in step with one another, what is going to happen is we will express love, we will express service to one another. Well, the passage then goes on in verse 1 of chapter 6. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, 
you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, very important things we want to take note of here. So the first thing I want us to pay attention to is, if someone is caught in sin. And this is really important. Now, from Galatians chapter 1 to 4, Paul has really made a very strong point that we cannot perfectly fulfill the law. We are not perfect people. We are saved sinners. And that reality is recognized in our church. In our church, not every day and not every single person, but there will be people who are caught in sin. The idea here is that you are an animal caught in a trap or you're overtaken by the predator. So, people in our Bible studies, in our youth group, in our church fellowship, some of us will be caught in sin. Now, what do we do? What happens then? The passage then goes on and says, uh, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. It doesn't say the pastor or the Bible study leader or the youth leader should restore the person. It says, you who are spiritual. Now, if you look at the context, what it's really saying here is, you who are spiritual are all those people who are keeping in step with the Spirit, which technically means all of us, right? Because we all are alive by the Holy Spirit. And so we are to walk and keep in step with the Spirit. So all of us here have a responsibility to restore our brother and sister in Christ if they are caught in sin. The idea of restoration here is the picture of mending something that's broken. You know, it's like you repair a broken bone, you mend uh, something that's broken. So we, we come alongside that person, we talk to that person, we listen to that person, we pray for that person, we help them. And that's why we do it in a gentle way, right? It says, we do it in a gentle way and not a conceited, arrogant way because we recognize that we are sinners too. We watch ourselves because we also may be tempted. There is, in a sense, no sin that all of us are incapable of committing, given the right circumstances, given the right temptations, given the right, uh, I guess, push factor and pull factor. And so, when someone else falls into sin, we got to help them in a gentle way because we acknowledge that we are sinners too. Right? We don't help someone in a gloating way or a gossipy way or a judgmental way. We help them in a gentle way, seeking to restore them, repair them, and mend them. And we watch ourselves at the same time. Now Paul goes on to explain a general principle. Carry each other's burdens in the same way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So what it's really saying here is, all of us as Christians, we carry weight. The, the carrying of this weight, right, this burden is a very heavy thing. For some of us, it may be sin. We, we may struggle. All of us may be tempted in our own unique ways. And all of us can benefit from other people helping us. Right? We're not like solitary Christians who all come together. We are a community. And so we all help each other with our, our temptations, our failings, and our weaknesses. Now, this general principle of carrying each other's weight, carrying each other's burden, doesn't have to be limited to sin. Right? Some of us may struggle with physical health, 
mental health, financial issues, other problems. And as we are all led by the Spirit, as we are all keeping in step with the Spirit, we will help one another carry each other's burdens. Now, the passage goes on to say, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, within the context of what we've read in the earlier part of chapter 5, verse 13, this law of Christ is the law of love. Jesus Christ said in Mark chapter 10, right, it's the law of service. The law of Christ is the law of love, the law of service to one another. And so within the church, we serve one another. We love one another by carrying each other's burdens, helping each other where we are weak in. I remember a wonderful uh, picture or illustration that someone once gave was that a church is like a big life raft, right? We are like rescued by Jesus Christ and we're all on this big life raft. So imagine you're a big life raft and uh, we've you know, escaped from a sinking ship. Imagine if someone in the life raft fell overboard. Uh, what would you do? Would you just let them drift off and drown? Maybe some of you would, but hopefully not. That's the wrong thing to do, right? Because if someone falls off the life raft, we are to help the person come back into the life raft. And that's what keeping in step with the Spirit is doing, right? That's what the Spirit wants us to do. It wants us to help and serve and love one another when we struggle in our various struggles of life. And that's why our churches, our Bible studies, our youth groups, they're not merely intellectual exercises, right? I hope you don't come to church and Bible study and youth group just to fill your minds, right? Church, Bible study, youth group, they're meant to be relational, communal, like, you know, fellowship places where we, there's real knowing of each other, real caring of one another, real service, and real love for each other. So, keeping in step with spirit means loving and service, in a community, yes. And it shows itself by carrying each other's burdens. The passage then goes on. Oops. The passage then goes on. In verse 6. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Now, in the original translation, uh, the word must share actually is the beginning, right? It's, like it's trying to emphasize just how important this sharing of good things is. It's a bit like Singlish, right? When you say, hurry up, can or not. Right? It's like the most important thing comes at the very front, right? Hurry up, can or not. And so what it's really saying is, must share all good things with those who teach you in the Word. Now this was particularly important in the Galatian church because the Galatian church, if you remember, was plagued by these false teachers who were teaching the wrong things. And the Galatians were bewitched by these false teachers. So all the more they needed to support teachers who would protect them from these false teachers. So whether Paul had himself in mind, whether the Bible had Galatian elders or teaching elders in mind, we don't know. But what we do know is, the Bible says here that anyone who receives instruction in the Word, right? So these are faithful teachers. Okay, so these are the teachers who will teach faithfully in the Word. If these teachers are teaching you in the Word faithfully, 
then you must share good things, all good things, with the instructor. Now, I think this is really important because one of the greatest needs in the church all the time, but especially today, is the need for teachers to teach in the Word faithfully. Um, that's why I, I, I put out some of these uh, ETC Asia uh, pamphlets outside. Because if you look at many of the churches in the West, one of the main reasons why the church in the West is in decline is because they no longer have teachers who teach faithfully in the Word. And that began because the theological colleges did not train in the Word. And so one of the most important things is to have theological colleges which teach people in the Word so that the pastors will teach in the Word and that the churches will be taught in the Word. So, if we look at the, what the Bible is saying then, this is how the argument is developing, right? Keep in step with the Spirit in your community life, love and serve one another, carry each other's burdens, but also share all good things with those people who teach in the Word. Now, we now come to the final straight, and I want you to pay attention to this word, because we're going to keep coming across this word, which is flesh. Okay, flesh. You'll see what I mean as we go along. The command here which is given is don't be deceived. Okay, don't be deceived. Don't deceive yourself, not deceive other people, right? Don't deceive yourself. God cannot be mocked. You cannot make a fool of God. You cannot take advantage of God. You cannot trick God. Now, how do we know that? Well, the Bible uses a very general metaphor uh, axiom called a man reaps what he sows. Everybody knows that, right? If you plant durian seeds, hopefully you get durian trees and durian fruit. You plant orange seeds, you get oranges, and you know, that's it. You can't plant durian and get orange and plant orange and get durian, right? It's just, I mean, of course, it's so obvious, right? So it says here, the one who sows to please his sinful nature of flesh from that nature of flesh will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, this is a, a very, very important principle, right? Because this links back with what we have been reading just a moment ago. Now, the passage was saying, as we were looking, right, that we no longer live in the sinful flesh, right? So you, this, this diagram is going to be like the key diagram we're going to be working through. But now we are alive in the Holy Spirit and therefore keep in step with the Spirit. The problem is, we may choose to, instead of keeping in step with the Spirit, we may choose to sow to the sinful flesh. A different metaphor, but same idea, right? We may choose to sow to the sinful flesh. But the problem is, when you sow to the sinful flesh, what happens is, you turn your back on the Holy Spirit, and you reap destruction, right? Eternal judgment, eschatological judgment. Now, because of this principle, right, 
you are mocking God. Why? Because God is saying, if you trust in the cross of Jesus Christ, you must sow to the Holy Spirit, right? Living out what you profess before God. You say to God, I trust, I have faith in Jesus Christ. So therefore, your living out must be sowing to the Holy Spirit. But if you then sow instead to the sinful flesh, you're actually mocking God. You're, you're making fun of God. You're trying to make a fool of God. You're saying one thing, but you're living out another. But you know what they say? The greatest fool is the fool who tries to make a fool of God, right? Because you can't mock God. So if you reap what you sow, which is the, the principle here, the passage then goes on to say, if we reap what we sow, then let us, oops, sorry, then let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, obviously here, the human nature as seen like in the example of the grumpy old man, is that as you become a Christian over time, you become weary and tired of doing good to people. Right? You don't want to do good anymore because you just want to do your own thing. It's a bit like, you know, you dance for too long, right? <laughs> and you don't want to keep dancing, right? You don't want to keep in step anymore. You want to get off the dance floor. But here, because of the stake, right? You reap what you sow, then the Bible says, oh, don't be weary, don't give up doing good. In fact, the passage here says, right, as we have opportunity, as long as you are alive and have the possibility of doing good to other people, you need to not be weary of doing good. In fact, what's happening here, as can be seen uh, graphically again, right? Keep in step with the Spirit, love and serve in community, carry each other's burdens, share all good things with those who teach in the Word, and do all good things to the family of believers. So it's not just limited to these things, right? But do all good things to the family of believers. Now, because of this, right, because of this, uh, so if you want to look here, this is like the summary of the whole passage of what we're looking at so far, right? Paul now turns to the last part. So this is the last part of chapter 6. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law. Yet they want you to be, to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. So we're coming to the end of the sermon, but I need you to just concentrate a little bit more because this part needs your attention. Right? Now, if you look at verse 12 to verse 13 here, uh, the NIV doesn't translate it uh, and link it back to the earlier part, but actually there's a strong link. If you look at the ESV translation, remember I said the word flesh is very important? The, f the word flesh keeps being repeated. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumc uh, circumcised 
and only in order that you, they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So what is really happening here, what Paul is saying here is, look, the old nature is the sinful flesh, right? Do not sow to the sinful flesh, right? Because you reap destruction. And now he says, look, the world is part of that sinful flesh world, right? That's part of the old nature, the old nature of the sinful flesh and the world. And he goes on to say that circumcision is part of that world, is part of the old nature. But Paul goes on to say that he has been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to him. And what crucified literally means is dead, right? He's, that, that's like the dead part of his life. He, you know, the, the sinful flesh, the world, that's, that's like the old nature and he's crucified it. It's dead to him. He's died to it and it is died to him. Because now he's part of the new creation, which is what we've always been talking about, right? He's alive in the Holy Spirit. He's new life in the Holy Spirit. And therefore, what counts in the end is not the world, the sinful flesh or circumcision, but keeping a step with the Spirit. So this is really important for us to recognize because we are no longer the old nature, the flesh, the world, circumcision. We are part of the new creation, alive in the Holy Spirit, so that we may keep in step with the Spirit. So, if we were to summarize the whole passage into one picture, this is it, right? We are the new creation, a new life in the Holy Spirit, so keep in step with the Spirit, love and serve one another in community, carry each other's burdens, support those who teach in the Word, and do good things to the family of believers. Now, in conclusion, um, I had a friend of mine visit me in Singapore many, many years ago, and he was an Australian fella, and uh, he told, I asked him what he was doing, and he told me that he, was, he had become a pastor in a small mining town in Western Australia. Now, unknown to me, you know, uh, Western Australia, they have like huge, huge mines, right? I mean, like, they're like humongous, okay? And what they do is, they actually build, the mining company will actually build a town to house the people who work in the mines to stay close to the mine. So you've got this town, which is like smaller than your HDB estate, uh, of just mining people who live there. And what they do is they build this town because they're so rich, right? And they just put like one cricket oval and one swimming pool, and maybe they put a church there, like, all right? Now, the sad thing that my pastor told me was, he was the pastor of this church in this small, small mining town in the middle of nowhere, with this one church. But all the people in the church would tell all the newcomers, hey, whatever you do, uh, don't go to that church. Because the church had such a bad reputation that they kept arguing and fighting and, and destroying one another that people said, oh, you know, you, you'll make more friends if you go to the pub or you go to the football club or the swimming club or the cricket club. And that's so sad, right? Because... This is the only church in the whole of the small town. And, and everybody's saying, don't go to that church because, you know, they, they, they're always fighting and destroying each other. And it was really sad for my pastor friend, right? Actually, he, he left the church in the end. But it's like, the reason is because they're not keeping in step with the Spirit. They're not serving one another. They're not loving one another. They're destroying each other because they are sowing 
the flesh. And so for all of us here, as we read in the book of Galatians, let us not become like that. Let us truly keep in step with the Spirit, love and serve one another, carry each other's burdens, whether they're sins or, or some other issue, health, uh, emotional, mental problems in any way. Uh, let us continue to do good things to one another as long as we're alive, right? Because as long as we're alive, there's opportunity to do good things for each other as a family of believers. So let's bow our heads and go to God in prayer. Uh, dear Father, as we come before you today, uh, we truly want to thank you for we are alive by the Spirit. We have new life by the Spirit. We have eternal life by the Spirit. Dear Father, we pray that we will keep in step with the Spirit, that we will keep close in step with the Spirit. We will never weary or give up sowing to the Spirit because we know we will reap an eternal harvest. Dear Father, it's so easy uh, for us to, to, to decide to do our own thing and not keep in step with the Spirit, especially as we grow more mature as Christians as we become tired of our Christian walk. But dear Father, help us to see that we reap what we sow. Uh, as we have been so fortunate to receive this wonderful gift of eternal life through the Spirit, uh, help each and every one of us here to truly keep in step with the Spirit. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Andrew. Um, we'll now spend some time discussing the following questions. Uh, please discuss within your current groups. Uh, do not intermingle across the rows. Uh, so the questions are, am I keeping in step with the Spirit in church life? What can I do more? Uh, and the second is, why do people become weary and give up doing good to others? And how can we keep doing good to each other? Uh, I'll call us back in five minutes. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.